You're listening to the B Fox and B Frank show, and I will start with a question that I don't think we've talked about enough on this show. Is Texas back? Uh, I said no last week. I actually think they're going to lose to Baylor this week. This this screams a letdown, but yes, they're back. They're back in a big way. Uh, Oklahoma is the class of the Big 12, and I really like West Virginia, but they just have not proved to me that they are you know, a dominant team in the conference, particularly with the performance this week against Kansas. So Texas, Texas is back. They beat the best team in the Big 12. I had said that I kind of wanted Oklahoma to win this game because if Texas won, everyone would lose their collective minds. Honestly, I was expecting a little more, um, yeah. but we've kind of been back and forth on this Texas thing. Uh, I mean, the Maryland loss just looks absolutely hilarious, even more so than it did at the time. But yeah, uh, Sam Ellinger was phenomenal. Five total touchdowns, um, got Stoops fired, basically, Oklahoma's defensive coordinator. Um, I mean, even in defeat, Kyler Murray, phenomenal. Five total touchdowns of his own. This was a classic Big 12 shootout that it looked like Texas was really just going to win going away. Uh, mm-hmm. Up 21 coming into the fourth before Murray leading a frantic comeback and Cam Dicker winning it at the horn, basically. Nine seconds to go, game-winning field goal. But, yeah, if, uh, if Maryland doesn't beat Texas week one, we are talking about the Longhorns as – you know, a potential sneak into the playoff field. But now they're just a a good story, if nothing else. You're talking about Notre Dame and Texas being undefeated in the same season. I don't think college football writers would know what to do with themselves. Certainly not. I mean, it was utter domination throughout the game. Obviously, the fourth quarter didn't go as well for Texas as they probably had hoped. Got a little conservative with the play calling. But – I mean, the the biggest thing is this Oklahoma defense. This season, they have not stopped a team in the red zone. 100% of the time when teams get in the red zone, they are scoring touchdowns against the Sooners defense. Not going to win the big games when it comes to that. Kyler Murray was great. The offense continues to be great. They've got C.D. Lamb and Hollywood Brown on the outside who are phenomenal. The, the Rodney Anderson injury obviously hurts here. He would have been or would have done better, presumably, than uh, we saw at a sermon. But Kyler Murray did a lot on his own. He had a 67-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter to kind of spark that comeback. I mean, it comes down to turnovers in defense. Texas was able to create three turnovers, two fumbles, an interception. Pretty bad interception, too, from Murray. You don't really see him make those kind of throws. But at the end of the day, it was whoever had the ball last was going to win, and that was Texas. Yeah, Rodney Anderson doesn't play defense, and 45 points should win you. Are we sure? Are we sure? I mean, (laughs) best defense is a good offense. People forget that. That is Um, true. But, again, 45 points should be enough. And Oklahoma's red zone defense, I was not aware of that stat, but that's absolutely unreal. That's something you would expect from, you know. UTEP. Yeah. First team in the country. I was going to say UTSA, but Utah fills in nicely there as well. Um, 
Yeah, not from a team that, you know, was branding itself as a playoff contender. Um, don't necessarily think Oklahoma's all the way out, but I think a lot of things would have to go their way um, to get back into uh, the playoff conversation, let alone the field. But, yeah, huge win for Texas, especially in the rivalry game. But, again, we can't talk about Texas without nugging them. I completely agree. I feel like next week is primed for a, a Tom Herman letdown game. These are the types of games he wins. Let's see if they can keep it rolling um, next game against Baylor and you know win that by as much as they should on paper. I'd have to go back and listen, but I'm pretty sure last year when I declared Texas back, they lost the immediate week following. This week I said they're back, and, and God only knows what's going to happen against Baylor. <laughs> Hedging your bets, we're learning. Exactly. Um, another big upset of an undefeated team, as predicted um, by half of this podcast, Florida taking down LSU, 27-19. Um, I mean, ugly as hell game. Terrible. Kind of what we were expecting is LSU starting that brutal stretch. Um, and I mean, Joe Burrow kind of had the game that I've been waiting for him to have for most of the year. This was this was a Joe Burrow. It it wasn't Felipe Franks won the game. It was Joe Burrow lost it, and that is the only thing these two quarterbacks can do. While Franks was, I watching the game, I thought he was pretty decent, and then I looked at the stat line and saw he was twelve of twenty seven with like hundred and fifty yards and a touchdown and a pick. Then I you know took a step back. Florida's offense is terrible. They're so bad, but the defense is just wild out there it's i mean lsu and florida have equally good defenses i think yeah i mean it, it's got to be so hard for dan mullen to just look at the state of his team and it's so difficult for this offense to generate points and yeah the only thing is differentiating franks from barrow in this game is that franks actually did uh throw a touchdown and then helped his own cost by catching a pass that ended up going for a first down in a big play um mm -hmm. but I mean, most of the heavy lifting offensively was done by well, Michael P. Ryan. He didn't even break 100 yards on the ground. Um, they did have two touchdowns. Defense, obviously, huge game clinching, essentially pick six of Burrow's first interception of the season. But, yeah, I mean, that's this is still Florida football's brand until, you know, the thinking is a few years down the road when Mullen is – fully able to put his fingerprints all over this program and how they want to play. And the thinking is get them a lot more offensively focused. And I mean, the first step there is just adequate, um, but still, still trying to get there, but the, the defense remains um, top notch. Yeah. And it's, it's the Coach O effect, you know? He He's riding high, feeling good, and they own to Florida. Very winnable game, but still going to be a tough one, you know, tough environment. You're on the SEC's primetime game, essentially, and your quarterback just does not show up. There's a reason this guy lost out to Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins is also very, very good. Yes. Um, but, yes. Um, and, and, again, like I said last week, you've got coming up this week, Georgia – at home, it's impossible to not be thinking about that a little bit, um, yeah. even if people aren't going to admit it. 
it's just human nature um, to look at as something like that. It's, it's basically why Texas slept walk the week before against Kansas State before this Oklahoma uh, game. Kansas State, not near the level of Florida, not fully able to take advantage and pull off the win. But, I mean, it's it's the same same kind of thinking there. And in that regard, as we've said, Coach O is it's a little bit of Tom Herman light. Um, but, you know, it's not like Florida was, was a slouch. I'm sure a lot of the guys were, were raring to go for this one. But I don't doubt that that contributed a bit to the loss. Yeah, it's been it's been a good rivalry recently between these two schools. There's definitely some bad blood there, as you can tell, and uh, it's made for some entertaining games, regardless of the, I guess, quality or lack thereof on the field in terms of offensive play. Yeah, um, I mean, big. It was a big win for uh, Kentucky, so they weren't able to take advantage and ended up losing to Texas A and M because we would have been talking about a top ten Kentucky football team which would have just been mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we uh, the other ranked matchup, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech. This is not a game that Notre Dame wins last year. I don't Absolutely think. Absolutely not. Um, close game at halftime on the road. Tough place to play. I understand, man, what's going. Metallica getting involved on the scoreboard. Place was rocking. And then after the break, 28-7 Notre Dame, this complete domination. Um, took a one-point lead at half to a 22-point win. Um, Ian Book, not his best game, but still very good on the road. Dexter Williams, huge 97-yard touchdown run early in the second half. I say it, Notre Dame looks like a playoff team. So long as Ian Book is at quarterback, Notre Dame will be a playoff team or in the race, I guess I should say. But yeah, I mean, this is again, this is the defense doing its job. They continue to keep this team in games and uh, bide the offense time until they can they can take advantage. But Dexter Williams has been great since he came back from suspension, especially now with the uh, injuries to Jafar Armstrong and Tony Jones Jr. And Miles Boykin has quickly become a favorite target for Ian Book. Yeah, and here's the thing. Even if something were to happen to Book um, that caused him to miss any amount of time, the schedule down the stretch is yes made for Brandon Wimbush to step in and really not struggle. They've gotten through the toughest test easily. Um, I know last week we were trying to figure out the toughest remaining game, but I mean, if Wimbush can't, you know, go through and, and beat, you know, maybe. Pittsburgh, Syracuse, everybody else, then I mean, I would immediately look into transferring to like a Mac school because that is the most manageable remaining schedule out of any of the um, playoff contenders helps further mm-hmm. by the fact that Notre Dame is not going to have to worry about another potential loss in a conference championship game. Right. And then on the other side, I mean, Virginia Tech, this is still a team that lost to Old Dominion. Um, Ryan Willis played a fine game, but kind of had to turn into a, a volume thrower just to try to keep Virginia Tech in the game. Um, and Notre Dame was able to force some turnovers and take advantage of uh, mistakes that Virginia Tech made. But this is 
still a team uh, without a conference loss. Correct. They <laughs> they control their own destiny in their division, and I mean, it's not like Miami has looked incredibly good this season. This is still a Virginia Tech team, as crazy as it might sound. Um, they could very easily make their conference championship game. Yeah, no, I I uh, am very satisfied with where I'm at in terms of my futures bet. <laughs> I still have the Hokies winning their division. Miami has not looked good, just plain and simple. They, you know, they forced about a billion turnovers against a shitty North Carolina team. The offense just cannot put anything together, and they got frankly a fortunate whistle against Florida State to keep the Knolls from going up two scores, and then the ensuing drive they scored to take the lead. So. I I don't see Virginia Tech even without Josh Jackson. I, and let me say, it's a shame that Josh Jackson got hurt because A, we got robbed of what could have been a top 10 game between Notre Dame and Virginia Tech and a really good one at that. But two, like that, this Virginia Tech team probably has a chance to beat Clemson if they're healthy. Yeah, definitely. And certainly would make it a more compelling matchup than it otherwise would be on paper. Um, I mean, that's the other thing. Clemson bounced back fine this week after looking very susceptible against Syracuse, um, which is a big relief for their fan base um, who were very, very worried when Trevor Lawrence had gone down um, against the Orange. That being said, transitioning into um, Looking at the playoff picture, we are getting to that time of year where this becomes more and more of a relevant conversation. I would just like to say on the record, once again, 14 playoff is hardly a playoff at all. Should be at least eight teams, but that's a conversation for another day. With what we have, who is your top four at the moment? Yeah, uh, Alabama and Georgia are one and two. I don't think there's... Any surprise or argument there, I'm going to put Clemson at number three, and I'll put Ohio State at four. Um, behind them in in this order is Notre Dame, Central Florida, and West Virginia. All right. Uh, same top two. I think pretty straightforward. Um, I mean, it's two as high as to lose right now. And I saw the uh, tweet today comparing – his first six games as quarterback versus past Heisman winners' best six games of college. And the statistics were extremely comparable and terrifying. He's just coming off his best game of the season against um, Arkansas, probably the best performance by any quarterback in the country this year. And, I mean, the unfortunate thing for his opponents is probably only going to get better. Um, but they are going to have to enter a more difficult stretch of their schedule and see how they handle that georgia right there i mean their stretch is about to get extremely brutal or as brutal as one can for an sec east team Mm -hmm. that doesn't have to play georgia um at at lsu florida at kentucky and then home against auburn four ranked matchups in a row if they can get through that then i mean their reward at the end of the season will be playing alabama Yes. Um, three, I've got Ohio State with a, a slight caveat. Um, 
very impressed by the win over Penn State, but just getting like a, an even deeper look at Ohio State last week when they played my Hoosiers. Good Lord, that secondary can be atrocious. Yeah. If uh, I, I did, unfortunately, say to myself multiple times during that game, wow, I really miss Richard Lego because there were so <laughs> many wide open receivers missed, but pretty much every play, the IU receiving core, who I should also mention are do- down their top two receivers, were just running free um, holes in the secondary. There is one touchdown play where it was from like the two Ohio State's corner immediately sprints into the corner because he thought it was going to be a fade and it was just an easy slants touchdown. Nobody within 10 yards. Um, so that's obviously going to have to change, but the fact that they're already through the best quarterback that they're going to play in the regular season and Trace McSorley is kind of the reason that I have that much confidence in them going forward. And obviously Dwayne Haskins, uh, the perceived second Heisman front runner. Notre Dame at four. Um, they have the best resume to this point, and it is the most manageable schedule going forward, as I've said. Um, I got Clemson at five. Out of all of the, the conferences we're going to talk about with playoff contenders, I think the ACC is, is going to be the weakest by a significant margin. And so I've been on the outside looking in right now. Um, and then after that, I do have West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And then after that, Central Florida starts to to peep their head in. So the losses to LSU and Oklahoma really uh, really opened up the field. Obviously, Auburn basically getting eliminated at the hands of Mississippi State last week as well. So a little more clarity, but that's that's how it stands right now for me. Can't wait till we have the uh, Week Eleven playoff showdown between central florida and cincinnati both undefeated teams at at that point yeah cincinnati is going to be the team to go 12 and 0 this year um somehow and then finish like 28 in playoff voting to be fair they beat ucla that's all i can say that's true that's a win that got colorado ranked yes so um so looking ahead to next week, three more ranked matchups. Going back to the SEC, the aforementioned Georgia at LSU game. The question here is, how do you see Joe Burrow bouncing back after his first really lackluster performance of the year? He plays an even better defense. And yikes. I don't know. It's I feel like this is going to be a close game, kind of like the Florida one, but I think Georgia's just so much better than the Gators that it'll probably be a two-score game. I mean, that's the thing about playing in the SEC. There's only one Arkansas, so you're not really going to have easy bounce-back teams, essentially, Um, especially if you're a quarterback trying to get your mind right, get back into playing better, or at least playing, putting your team in a position to win. And for LSU to beat Georgia – Joe Burrow is not only going to have to play mistake-free, but he's also going to do a lot, have to do a lot on his end to, you know, put LSU in position to win, because you know Georgia's going to game plan primarily centered around Nick Brosette, who's been LSU's best offensive player. They're going to ask Joe Burrow to beat them. I don't think he's 
going to be good enough to do that, quite frankly. Yeah, and even even they can, they can play straight up man to man defense on the outside and stack the box, and I still think there's a significant advantage in Georgia's favor. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I, I think LSU beating Florida, um, even by a small margin, would have made this a little more compelling. Um, I think LSU is going to be a lot more ready to play this week, but you know, not being a top five matchup anymore, game day is not going to be in town um, as we probably would have expected that they would. Some disappointment coming into this one. You'd imagine Coach O is going to have the guys pissed off. So they'll probably start off the game very strong, but mm-hmm. I think over a full 60 minutes, Georgia is going to be able to show why they're the better team. Yeah, I think I definitely expect LSU to be aggressive too, coming out of the gate, trying to set the tone early. And that is kind of what South Carolina tried to do, and it backfired in the uh, pick six or scoop and score, whatever it was for Georgia right off the bat. But uh, yeah, if, if LSU can, can jump out early, They've got a chance, but I just I just don't see Georgia losing this one. We've got another Pac-12 ranked matchup: Washington at Oregon. Washington had a trap game; they held off UCLA last week by a touchdown. Oregon has had two weeks to prepare for this um, since their win over Cal. Do you like him here? It's the Pac-12, kind of like the Big Ten, or Big 12, excuse me, where defense doesn't really win the game for you. So I'm going with the better quarterback, and that is Justin Herbert. So I'm taking the Ducks in a close one. I don't see them losing two huge home games in the same season. It's going to be a close game, like I said. It feels like this is the game where they they figure it all out. The defense is capable of doing well in Jake Browning does have the propensity to kind of disappear in these big type games. So I, I'm taking the Ducks. I like the home field advantage and I like their defense. I know this is still basically transitive property, but uh, Oregon's moral loss, so to speak, against Stanford, not aged great <clears throat> with back to back blowouts. The Cardinals had Notre Dame and then arguably worse, Utah last week, um, the Pac-12 after dark game that didn't get a ton of attention. So obviously there's other stuff going on. Um, but even with that being said, I do think this is going to be a very close game. Washington, I keep waiting for them to turn in that, that performance that makes the field ahead of them turn back and look. Thought the BYU game might have been that game. Mm-hmm. BYU is just not a very good team. Um, sorry, Wisconsin. But Jake Browning and Miles Gaskin are going to be ready in this one. Miles Gaskin had a huge game last week against UCLA. I expect that to continue against the Ducks. It's going to be a shootout. Um, I don't think Washington, as good as their secondary is, is going to be able to keep Justin Herbert down. I think he's too talented for that. Um, so I think the, the final score ended up in the 30s, but I think Washington is, is going to sneak out a red one here. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I think, I mean, I think when you go to Eugene, you're always expecting points. It's just 
the way it is at Outson Stadium, but I don't know. I, I find it hard to, to, to believe that the Ducks are going to let another big opportunity pass them by. Who knows? I mean, Washington is playing for their playoff lives, too, at this point. Um, Correct. Any, any loss at this point, I'd say, eliminates them. That Auburn loss is not aged as well as they would have hoped, but yeah, it'll it'll be a close game either way. That's mm-hmm. what I'll say there. Um, finally, battle in the Big Ten where game day will be the Big House Top 15 Showdown: Wisconsin, number 12 Michigan. Who are you liking here? I'm taking the Badgers. This is this is such a shitty good game. And that's the only way I can put it. It's run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, punt. Hope our quarterback can make a play. And if he can't, then we're totally fine with playing defense. I think the Badgers have the better defense. I think they have the better running back. I don't think they have the better quarterback, but I don't think that matters in a Big Ten game like this. I'm going to go Wisconsin in a low-scoring close game. Yeah, I'm going Wisconsin as well. Um, Got two... Players on both teams peaking at the right time. I mean, Jonathan Taylor just ran all over Nebraska, 221 yards, three touchdowns, one of them an 88-yarder. And then Shea Patterson had his best game of the year, arguably, against Maryland. But even that being said, his most prolific output was a 282-yard performance. Um Looks a lot better when you consider Maryland doesn't really have a QB, and the two guys they threw out there only completed seven passes. But Shea Patterson's hype has far exceeded his on-field production to this point. And we've talked about this. A lot of it is just how Harbaugh teams are. Um, but if last week was any indication, maybe they'll try to open them up a little more. That's really the only different, differentiating factor there is between those two teams because Alex Hornibrook is who he is at this point. He's not going to turn into a great college quarterback. He's just there to hopefully take care of the ball and make one or two big plays with his arm um, per game and kind of let – Jonathan Taylor, the stable of running backs, and that offensive line dictate a lot of the flow of the game. But, I mean, Shea Patterson, in theory, can do some of those things that Alex Hornibrook can't. Um, That's why they went out and got him from Ole Miss, because they didn't want another year of, you know, someone like Brandon Peters behind center, where teams can kind of expect, all right, this is not going to be a Michigan team that's going to put a lot of pressure on us through the air in the downfield passing game. Peron Higdon is a good uh, Big Ten running back. That defense is phenomenal, but this is a game, I think, where Shea Patterson has to, you know, make a handful, but probably more big plays to kind of keep Michigan alive because Wisconsin's defense is, is playing pretty well right now. And, I think they're going to stack the box and, and try to make Patterson do just that. Yeah, you've got to take, if you're Michigan, you got to take a page out of the BYU playbook and really spread the offense, go jet sweeps, send the ball around, and don't just, you know, Harbaugh, power eye, 
up the middle the entire night because it's just not going to be there. You've got to set up those plays when you need them by running a little bit of unconventional offense, at least for Harbaugh, that is. So it'll if you're a Michigan fan, what you'd hope is to see some offense that Shea Patterson, you know, would fit his style. So a little bit more spread, a little bit more run and gun, and then, you know, a nice mix of the power eye, power formation, you know, run between the tackles, which is you know, classic Big Ten football and exactly what Harbaugh likes to play. So if you can find a good mix of that, I think Michigan's got a shot, but it's it's not you just don't see that from Harbaugh. He doesn't make that change. He doesn't make that that adjustment. No, and yeah, I would be even more shocked than any defensive coordinator to see him do that. The only really quote unquote fun things Harbaugh does on offense is when he'll do that play every so often. He'll just line up all eleven guys in a straight line. The true true yep. eye formation. Yep. Uh, but. Yeah, I have, a, I have a hard time seeing that coming to fruition. And it's not like Michigan doesn't have extremely talented skill position guys. They do. It's like Higdon, Donovan Peoples-Jones, guys who can make plays in space. But right now, got to keep the offense stuck firmly in the past, I guess. Never never change is That's what the they brand. say. Yeah. Well, people probably just – Overcorrecting in part, if if unintentionally, from how fun Rich Rod offensive teams were. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's that's the week ahead. Probably get a little more clarity um, in the playoff race. Certainly, um, one of Wisconsin or Michigan will be eliminated. Washington runs the risk of being eliminated. Same with LSU. Um, I guess Oregon too, but I don't really consider them a part of it at this point, even though no. they are a top 20 team. Can't come out, count them out completely just yet. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll know even more going forward for next week. And who knows? Maybe your Mountaineers will uh, climb even higher in uh, the, uh, the rankings. Will Greer fucked me hard this weekend. I'll tell you that much. The three first half Reds uh, end zone interceptions. Screwed me, screwed my lock of the week, which was West Virginia minus seventeen and a half in the first half. So that was not fun. I'm 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 in a little tiff with uh, with my guys over in uh, Country Roads. I'm sure they'll they'll play better just for you this week. Um, I hope so. Yeah, and still everybody chasing Alabama as it so often is at this point in the season, and basically every week of every season. But we will be back for you next week to talk about that and everything else happening in the world of college sports. Well, we're coming to your city. Well, we flew through Oklahoma, Alabama, and through Georgia, trying to get on down to Florida for the game. And then we loaded up our tailgate, joined the convoy on the freeway, headed north to see them Buckeyes and Cause Fowler Corso and Herb's
street, got the load.